Welcome into a special Friday edition of New Track Record Podcast. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. It is official. As of this recording, we are 100 days out to the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Pretty crazy. Let's go. Pretty exciting time as we're getting closer to the start of the 2023 season. Uh, we have driver announcements rolling through. Uh, but before we get to those Indy 500 uh, driver announcements, we had a couple within the last week since we last uh, talked with you. We, uh, I, In fact, I had the, the special chance to talk with Connor Daly. Now, this was before he qualified for the Daytona 500 Thursday night in duel number two after getting, quite honestly, quite lucky. He had, they had car issues early. It was the first time he'd even turned a lap in this car, was in the duel. They had issues before the green, found a way to at least make it drivable early in the race uh, with an early caution, then was just trying to hang on and stay with the pack. Couldn't quite do it, but doesn't matter because Daniel Suarez took out Kyle Busch, chain reaction, Travis Pastrana taken out. He had already made the field, but then Austin Hill was taken out, uh, damaged in that crash, and he had to go back to the garage. And Connor Daly found a way to make the Daytona 500. It, it, it felt improbable. Sure. Especially with how things started in the duel. But yet here we are. And so I talked with Connor a few days ago about that opportunity. Also about thermal and the test there. IndyCar marketing as is, is we get set for the start of the IndyCar season. I think when you look at what happened la- on, on Thursday night with, with Connor Daly, sometimes it's more to, better to be lucky than good. But I thought Connor Daly was good enough in a car that he had not yet been in on track to stay out of trouble, not put a wheel wrong, not spin, uh, and and really just play for time and hope something happened. And that's exactly what happened. So credit to Connor Daly. Didn't have to really do it with his drivability per se, but was still needed that to not get in, involved into something that would completely take him out and ruin his chances. So Credits daily. Now he'll get a couple days of practice and hopefully feel a little bit more comfortable in the 500 on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see what he can do on Sunday afternoon in the Daytona 500 with TMT. So here's that conversation we had with Connor Daly. Joining us now on the guest line, it is the driver of the number 20 Bit Nile Ed Carpenter Racing IndyCar and attempting to qualify in the number 50 bitnile.com Chevrolet for TMT Racing as part of the Daytona 500 coming up this week. Connor Daly joining us on the guest line. Connor, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, Connor, first off, let's just backtrack. How did this deal come together? I know it kind of came through just in the last couple of weeks to give you the opportunity to attempt to qualify for the Daytona 500 coming up this Sunday. Honestly, it's kind of a, a wild story, but our, our our partner, you know, bitnile.com, they're, they're the ones that are 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 behind all this i mean they're they loved being involved in indycar last year and um it's it's something that they find a lot of benefit being involved in the motorsport community the the motorsport fan base um and we had an opportunity last year to do the, to do the roval race at the Na- and the nascar cup series um and and so after that race you know they they were talking about what are the opportunities for this year 2023 um, and we, we kind of went away from Daytona because of the, you know, amount of cars and, and, you know, two people or two or three people will have to go home. They won't make the race. Um, but, uh, we also decided, well, 
if if we have a car ready, why not? Because there is a lot of upside if we do make it, uh, and not really a lot of downside if we don't make it because we're still doing, you know, four with a maximum of maybe seven cup races next year or this year. Um, so we all just decided, hey, why not? You know, if if we give it a shot and and we and we do make it, the upside is massive. Um, and for me, I mean, I was, you know, I, I could, I could never say no to an opportunity to potentially do the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500 in the same year. So it's a, it's a pretty cool, um, pretty cool deal to be, you know, to be a part of. You're battling Jimmy Johnson and a couple of others, uh, to make the race. How does the process work for fans interested in seeing if you can make the race and what should people expect? Well, to those folks that are trying to pay attention, I might have to pay attention to myself because I don't really know how it's all going to work either. So it's, it's something where 35 cars uh, are guaranteed a spot in the race and there's, there's 40 starting spots. And at the moment, I believe there are seven cars that are going for those last five spots. Um, and so there's basically going to be two people, unless someone else shows up to try to qualify, two or three people that, that uh, do not make it. And so we'll have single car qualifying on Wednesday. Um, and that will determine, okay, the two fastest cars who are outside of those 35 guaranteed entries, the two fastest cars are guaranteed a spot. So that, that eliminates, you know, two potential spots. And then the rest of the, um, the rest of the spots are all through the dual races. So Thursday night, you know, there's two separate races, 60 lap races. Um, and to be honest, I'm just going to do what my team tells me to do and beat who my team tells me to beat. So we're going to see what happens, but you definitely have to finish ahead of a certain, uh, certain number of car. Well, a a certain car or two, um, depending on what race you're in. And uh, you just hope that you get, I guess, I, I believe the duels are basically odds and even qualifying numbers. So wherever you qualified on Wednesday night, it'll be odds in one race, evens in the other. Um, and you know, and then to just kind of go from there, see, see what happens. There, there'll be no practice at all. So I've never driven a NASCAR cup car at Daytona. First laps I'll get are in qualifying. So that's kind of crazy. So your first lap is essentially going to be a, a warm up lap before making a qualifying run. It, have you thought about that? How you're just going to have to go flat out and really have no idea what you're doing there. Uh, it's kind of astounding to think about. Yeah. I think <laughs> for some reason, you know, the, the motorsport has changed a little bit after COVID and, and through COVID, you know, everyone was trying to condense race weekends, not have people stay there longer. Practice was eliminated in NASCAR um, and people just showed up for the races. So I've done something like that before. I, my first NASCAR truck race in Las Vegas, um, you know, Travis Estrada and I went out there to do that and there was no practice at all. We just right, went right into the race. So I've, I've kind of experienced a little bit of that craziness, but the cup series in Daytona is a bit of a different level. And, um, I, I've never been so happy to have a qualifying lap. So, um, you know, that'll be a big learning experience, but just getting into the race as well, the, the dual race will be, um, there'll be a lot of information coming at me at a very, very high rate of speed. Uh, even though the Indy cars are faster, we're, we're used to doing more speed. Um, you know, it's just a, a very different animal to battle in the draft and dirty air and, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, it, it is pretty wild. It, it's a very, it's sad that there's no practice, but you know, as a driver, you know, I've been doing this a long time now. You just kind of got to roll with it and, uh, no, do what you do best. 
How much confidence do you have knowing that this team, TMT Racing, made the Daytona 500 last year with Kaz Grella? Well, it is very cool. It was a great story to see them make the race last year. And honestly, I didn't know anyone of the team at, the, at this point last year. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, close operation, you know, good, good family there that are, that are, that are behind it. Um, and then obviously Floyd, Floyd Mayweather being, uh, you know, the, the, the head name uh, on top of the, you know, team is, is pretty cool as well. Um, but it's a much, much different situation this year. There are really, really, really big teams and, and good drivers all attempting to make it. There's no, you know, we're the smallest team. So we're, we're going to be the one car operation trying to beat, um, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Travis Estrano with 2311, you know, Colleague Racing, Front Row Motorsports, like teams that are have multiple cars running in this event no matter what. Have you had uh, any or many interactions with Floyd? What's that like? Uh, so yeah, actually, he he FaceTimed me before the um, before the first race that we did together as that team last year at the Roval. Uh, super cool to have his support. And honestly, the the quote that he had in the press release too when we announced this deal just a couple days ago um, was awesome. It was it was something that I I might frame in my house. That it was it was uh, very cool to see his you know the the respect that he has for what we're about to try and do down there. And, uh, and that, that support is, um, is really cool because obviously, you know, I, I, I was someone who grew up seeing all of his fights and, and, and it was impressive to see um, just how, how good of an athlete he is and how, um, you know, how impressive he's had, you know, how impressive of a career he's had. So it's pretty, pretty awesome to be associated with him. Did you ever think that roughly, what, a year and a half ago, a, a chance business meeting in Las Vegas as part of your 30th birthday would lead to running in the Daytona 500? Yeah, my life completely changed as of December 15th, um, 2021. Uh, it's pretty, pretty wild to think about, um, but, uh, but super thankful for it. I mean, you know, we work all of our lives to get the, the, you know, the, the chance to, to have a competitive you know, seat in motorsport and to do as many races as, as I have the opportunity to do. So, you know, for me, it just makes me want to continue to work as hard as I've, I've worked all my life to be here. Um, and yeah, I, I never thought I would get a chance of the day doing a 500. I've watched it religiously. I love NASCAR racing. I think it's, it's a great, um, basically just a marker that the season is starting and, and, and IndyCar is coming right up afterwards. You know, we're, we're racing March 5th in St. Pete. Uh, on NBC, and it's going to be great to be able to get that season going. But everyone knows that once Daytona's over, we're we're all going racing again very soon. Yeah, you mentioned uh, IndyCar starting soon. One other thought on NASCAR. Uh, it's not just attempting to qualify for the Daytona 500. You're also going to run at Circuit of the Americas, where F1 uh, races at, at COTA. Also, uh, the Daily Double at IMS in August, uh, running the road course in the IndyCar, and then the cup race the next day. Uh, any inkling on where the other cup races uh, will fall? Great question. I think there are a few ideas. There are a few things that we've uh, we've thought about and looked at, but uh, definitely love, you know, road courses first. Um, and then, you know, the Roval obviously is something that I did last year. So to be able to go to a track where I have a bit of experience um, would be helpful, but uh, time will tell. IndyCar starting up in just a, a couple of weeks. In fact, less than a month away at St. Pete. You had the test the other week at the Thermal Club. 
How was that track? Is this something that IndyCar fans could maybe even see on the schedule in the next, say, three to five years? Honestly, it would be hard to see it on the schedule as a as a race, but uh, it was a great track. I mean, I, I think all the drivers enjoyed it. A great environment as well. Um, the place is really cool, and you know, it's just it's just a preseason test. So, you know, to, to bring a lot of celebrities out there as well, which which IndyCar did, I think was able to just gain IndyCar uh, another level of of exposure to you know maybe a different group. Um, and, and I think it's exciting. So I, I, I don't know how they could do a race there because there are no grandstands. Um, but, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll just see as, as time goes. And then looking ahead to St. Pete here in a few weeks, uh, this year in IndyCar, you got 27 full-time entries, uh, your team with two full-time plus Ed Carpenter running the oval races. It seems to be another very, very tight year of competition in IndyCar. It, as a driver, does it just get like tighter and tighter every year? Because from an outside perspective, it seems like the competition level just gets tougher. It seems like for going on five, six, seven years now each year. Oh, absolutely! I mean, IndyCar right now. I, th- I think you can ask almost anyone, but it's it's the most competitive close championship in the world when it comes to um, you know timing uh, in every qualifying session of of every race uh, of championship competitors. Um, you know, obviously NASCAR has a, has a different championship system with the playoffs, but you know, Formula One, there's only two people, or maybe maybe just one, that's going to win that championship after 15 races. So um, it's 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 an incredible series to be a part of right now. I think we have a lot to be proud of, um, and this is a year that I think the Penske Entertainment Group and everyone in this series is going to really really try to launch our series to the appropriate level that it needs to be. I mean, we we need to be. Um, you know, getting similar viewership to NASCAR every weekend. We, we, there's, there's millions of people that are watching NASCAR every weekend, um, and why can't we get a few of those folks as well? You know what I mean? If, if, if people are appreciating racing, we have great racing in our series. The product is not our problem, and hopefully, you know, this year I think um, everyone at the marketing group in, in IndyCar and Penske Entertainment have, have realized that we need to spend a large amount of money just pushing this sport that we love uh, into people's homes and into people's lives. Um, and I think people will love it. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's an exciting time to be, you know, to be a part of the IndyCar series. You mentioned the marketing efforts. I know there's an increased push, increased spend in marketing for IndyCar this upcoming season. Have you been made aware of anything kind of behind the scenes as a driver of some cool things that IndyCar is set to roll out this year as part of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think we're going to see some really cool TV commercials, some really cool TV promotion, um, and and a, and a very uh, a much higher level of, of, of social media promotion uh, and social pushes, um, and and honestly, just drivers being sent to big markets too: L.A., New York, um, L.A., New York, Texas, Florida, uh, all the you know Chicago, large cities um, that that you know need an IndyCar, a, a dosage of IndyCar. So I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, obviously, it's easy to talk about it, and until we see it get done, um, you know, that's, that's what matters. But also our TV show, honestly. We have a TV show now, like, like F1's Drive to Survive, like NASCAR's Race for the Championship on USA. Like we, we have a show coming on the CW Network and Vice that is going to be accessible by over 420 million people worldwide. You know, if you have the Vice app, if you have a connection to the Internet, like you're going to be able to have access to this show. So it's something that is, 
we're really excited about. The director for it is awesome. We've already started filming over the last couple of weeks. Um, and again, that's something that I think is going to be a huge addition for our series. Before we let you go, you're attempting to qualify for the Daytona 500. You've run numerous Indy 500s. You've run in Europe. You've run the Chili Bowl. What's the next item to cross off on the bucket list? The Le Mans 24-hour race. That's next on the list. I want to do all three of the big ones, uh, Le Mans, Indy 500, and uh, the Daytona 500. So hopefully we can get there someday. I have a bit more of a uh, wider age range on the potential to do it there. So uh, we'll see what happens. I think um, I've raced at Monaco as well. So I've kind of, not in Formula 1, but I've, I've raced there. So I, I, Le Mans is the next one on the list. Connor Daly, good luck coming up at Daytona. Hopefully uh, you can make the race, and if so, we'll be rooting for you on Sunday, and good luck in the upcoming IndyCar season. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, again, all the craziness before, hadn't turned a lap in the car, didn't have practice, somehow made the race, and that also was... the, the IndyCar topics, pretty excited about Thermal Club kind of saying, well, I, I'm not so sure as far as a race being here anytime soon. But I, I keep forgetting about this. He's excited. The drivers are excited about the, the increased marketing and the streaming series. That is another storyline that we'll have once we get a little bit into the season, especially in April, I think, when that launches. That will be an interesting kind of storyline to see how that comes about and, and what interest that receives, not just streaming, but on TV, on the CW. And we're seeing a lot today as we record here on Friday, 100 days till the 500, and you're seeing it uh, all over social media and all that stuff. But we're also two weeks away from the start of the season. Have you seen any uptick in anything in terms of trying to hype the season that we otherwise have seen? I I haven't. No, I think we'll get that the week of. I'm eagerly awaiting this year's motto. Well, I think it's still defy everything, is Is it it? not? I mean, we had it two years in a row, right? Do they try something new? We shall see. Oh, can't wait. (laughs) The the things we look forward to in the off season. Yeah, the stuff (laughs) that that too much, um, too many meetings go into to try to figure something out or that, that quickly goes by the wayside. Oh, for sure. All right. So the other news, I mentioned Indy 500 news. So the first announcement was a big surprise, and that was Catherine Legg getting the fourth car for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. That announcement coming late last week with that entry. I don't think any of us saw that one coming as far as that being the option. In fact, Tony Kanan even <laughs> tweeting at us that, you know, that this uh, this will be a, a good good move. He should be back in the field. So we're yeah, thinking Ryan hunter Ray. He's excited for him to be back. Now, was it purposefully done by Kanan? I tend to not think so. I feel like, and we we saw this from part Marshall Pruitt in the mailbag, there was some genuine surprise around the paddock that it was Catherine Legg instead of Ryan hunter Ray because those two were considered the the two in contention for that seat. Yes, I, I think that was a bit of a surprise to some people. Now, this, this was the kind of surprise return entry that he was referencing in the mailbag a few weeks ago. But here we are. We have 32 car and driver combinations set. The 33rd entry, we'll give you a hint on that a bit later on as who it could be uh, in the show. But massive surprise. I don't think anyone expected this. Uh, she will be back the Indy 500 uh, for the first time since... In a decade, right? 2013. 2013. So one of my friends texted me, this is wild. So her Indy 500 career stats. 
So she, she was in Champ Car in 06 and 07, so not in the Indy 500. Then IndyCar in 2012 and 2013, now 2023. But in both Indy 500 she ran, she finished higher than Joseph Newgarden. 2012, she was 22nd. Joseph was 25th. 2013, she was 26th. Joseph was 28th. Remember, that was early in his young career. Yes, it was, but uh, impressive nonetheless for Catherine Legg. Uh, cool to see her in the field. I, I've I've said this before. I, it doesn't impact me to have a woman in the field. It's not like a, a check mark. I, I almost it, to me, it's like I like diversity regardless of where it comes from. I think when you make something a big deal, it continues to be a big deal, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, have we moved past that being a thing? It should be common, right? So for Catherine Lake to be in the race, to me, is another driver. It's not a woman being in the in in the field. And for me, it, it's a cool opportunity for Catherine Lake after a decade out of the seat. Um, she was able to put the funding together from what it sounds like, and Ryan Hunter Ray wasn't. And some people will clamor for Ryan Hunter Ray, and he should be in that seat, but also people, there's plenty of people excited that Catherine Legg has that opportunity once again. So uh, it's cool to see her back. Uh, unfortunately, we won't see Ryan Hunter Ray, but it doesn't really bother me that she got it over him. Yeah, like it, it's all about putting together the package. Uh, Convincing the right people, right? Yes. Is it maybe disappointing it's not Ryan Hunter Ray? Well, yeah, you'd love to see another Indy 500 winner in the field. That's just the, the nature of it. Yeah. But the, he still has his opportunities also. He seems to be very particular in what rides he would even pursue to begin with. And, and Makes it, sense. And it's, yes, you've won the race. You don't want to be given an opportunity where you feel like you're not even going to have a chance to do anything. But that is his choice, and he has not been in the race since 2021, and that's where it stands. Now, is there a potential seat left for him? Maybe. I'd be surprised. But Catherine Legg, she'll drive the number 44 Honda. Sponsorship from Hendrickson. It's a leading global manufacturer and supplier of suspension parts for commercial transportation industry. Huh. Shocker that you have something related to cars yeah. and, and, and trucks. A sponsor and, on yeah, a car. The, the business to business stuff is very important. And that is how these deals usually come together. Especially, but, especially with, with Ray Hall's team. That mm-hmm. uh, To me, in terms of B2B, um, probably the best in the series, if not... Uh, behind Penske, but business to business relationships, not many do it better than Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. And again, they're just leveraging. Say they probably use that product, and then they leverage a sponsorship yeah. out of it. We we see that from time to time. Look, Penske, a lot of its sponsors, he has deals with them as far as his dealerships, and then he just uses that for the racing, or, or yeah. he uses it for his businesses, like the truck rental business. Yep, uh, and and uses it for that. So they just they find a way to get it work. And remember last year. She was really close on getting a ride with Ray Hall, and it just didn't come together at the last minute. And it sounds like everything she was able to put together for last year, she was able to then get for this year plus some, and it put it over the top. But I can imagine being that close last year with Ray Hall helped this deal come together for Leg. So good to see. Oh, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, the other bit of Indy 500 news, I don't know if this is a huge shock, but... When he uh, said there'd be a special announcement coming uh, involving an Indy 500 winner, uh, we got that news earlier in the week. Tony Kanaan, this will be his last Indy 500. I know that we've kind of gone through this before with his last lap. That was, what, in 2020? But then the opportunity to pair up with Jimmy Johnson came about to run the ovals 
that was a, a very special situation. And then based on his success last couple of years, he's parlayed that into the, the fourth car now at Errol McLaren. I truly believe this is the last lap. Unless he wins the race and he said he, he may try to come back again the next year. But I, I really believe this is it this time. I do think so. Unless, and, and when you look at TK, if he has a great run this year, let's say top five, and an opportunity presents itself in the next couple of years for him to jump back in the seat after being galvanized, not just for him, but also teams looking to add a talented driver for the 500. If he can go out on a high note, so to speak, and, and continue to show that he can wing it around the speedway, then maybe an opportunity opens up. But TK, it's probably his last best opportunity to have a good drive at the 500. And he's using this time to, to really kind of soak it all in and enjoy it. And, and me personally, I would love to see TK for his final 500 go by his given name for the, for the month of May, Antoine Riscala Kanan Philho. I don't think that'll happen. No, don't think so. No. Now, now this is what I've learned too, in doing some very rudimentary re- research. Philho is basically like junior in English. Ah, so his father has the same name, but he's senior. I did not know that. So Antoine Riscala Kanan Philho, that will be on the car for May. Think so? If, if if they put that up on the screen, like nobody would know who that was. No, they no, wouldn't. But you say Tony Kanan in every fan. Yeah, I, I mean every fan is like, oh yeah, love Tony Kanan. Antoine Riscala Kanan Philho. People would be like, oh, is he? I knew a Kanan used to race in the series. Is he related to him? But uh, <laughs> now the Americanized Tony Kanan version will see TK. I agree for the final time uh, in Indianapolis this year, a great ambassador of the sport. When we talk about drivers that casual fans know, and I, I use this as a judge when I watch the race with my extended family and they watch the 500 every year. They don't watch any other race, but they know two drivers. They know Elio and they know TK. Yes. You know oh, far I mean? and away. And, and, and Elio, because of his success, Yep. I think in Canaan because of his his long time like before longevity, his longevity, but also I think because he was so close for so many years, and then he actually broke through in 2013. I think he was known just as much before he won as after he won, which I think says a lot about right. him as a driver and as a a popular driver among the fans. Yeah, definitely, and a guy that's a great ambassador for the sport. Uh, he sells it. He will go defend it, um, and and we've had we've had run-ins with TK about certain things that we've said. <laughs> you, uh, me in particular, but even then, he, you know, in terms of the positivity of the series and all that stuff, but just basically pushing the sport forward uh, in a way that few drivers do in terms of going to the bat bat for the series and 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 really trying to get it out there. And you hope too that as we look at it now, that that pipeline to Brazil largely drying up, you know, for a long time, it was really the hotbed of South America for IndyCar was it was Brazilian drivers that were coming into the series. And now we're seeing another one bow out with TK. And, and so that, that Avenue, that, that pipeline continues to drive up. Hopefully TK can have an impact on uh, maybe that next generation of drivers finding their way into the sport from Brazil. 
It's it's an interesting point because it's Kanan, it's Elio, and really that's about it, especially these last few years. Um, young guys have come and gone, like Mateus Lace, for example, Kanan's teammate at Foyt a couple years back. Didn't really pan out. But there was that era where Ayrton Senna, you know, was a was a hero to everyone in Brazil. Yeah. And he had his success in F1 before his career came uh, to an end uh, far too quickly. Um, and then you had so many different drivers, you know, the Fittipaldis, the Tony Cananzi, the Elio Castroneves, Raul Borsell, Gilles Deferrin. I mean, there are so many great drivers coming over from Brazil. And that pipeline, unfortunately, has dried up in recent years. So, And part of it is, if you don't have a guy in F1, obviously, it's it, it kind of hurts the interest nationally even though they they do have the f1 race still but you don't have an indycar race down there no which definitely doesn't help no it does not um but yeah i think i think mateus lace was the most recent brazilian outside of the top two to be in the series i think Ana beatrice um mario marias yeah it's it's been a while it's and- been a minute uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, I, I guess, ran a couple of races. So he would have been the other guy. That's true. And he almost came to IndyCar this offseason. True. But I, still think, I still think he lands an IndyCar the full-time ride at some point I in his too. career. I but, do too. Uh, I think he's just he's trying to see if he can break through for a full season in F1. If not, eventually I think he'll he'll come back and, and want to race, right? Racers want to race. And I think being a reserve driver, yeah, you're – you're getting paid, but you're not really getting a whole lot beyond just some some testing days. Yeah, absolutely. So Tony Kanan, you know, kudos, great career, great ambassador of the sport, a an Iron Man, literally, uh, and on the track, one of the best drivers of his generation. But notice, I'm not using a certain word that I'm throwing, not going to throw out there. But <laughs> IndyCar and Indy 500 legend. <laughs> there Tony is, Caleb says it. Uh, but congratulations to to Tony Kanan. Great career. I, I imagine he's not going anywhere. I don't, I don't think he's a guy that's going to start a team. It's not going to be like Michael or or uh, Bobby, but um, he could be maybe a driver ambassador. I could see him part of the broadcast. He's done a tremendous job elsewhere. Was he doing Formula E? Um, was Dario doing? was doing Formula uh, E. I'm trying to, Kanan has just stepped in a yeah, few times. Yeah, he stepped in here there and added insight and, and tremendous insight at that. And I could see that being a thing going forward. I'd love to have TK part of the regular broadcast team on NBC uh, if they could somehow pull that off. So um, I, I hope I I imagine we haven't seen the last of, of Tony Kanan in this series this May. Um, but for the seat in the seat, it sounds like that could be it, and could be Tony Kanan be all due respect to Mario Andretti, the next uh, driver of the two seater. Once Mario's done, Ooh. I mean, Mario is seemingly ageless. Uh, he could do it another 25 years and you'd know it. But at some point, he's going to reach a point where he can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's, that's I a would, good option. I would think Tony Kanan would be a great guy because I've mentioned the word ambassador several times. He's a guy that can wheel it around and, and take different people around and engage them and... Uh, get them excited and ener- energetic and a personality you can talk to checks all the boxes that Mario does that, you know, the two seater is a great promotional tool for the series could see TK at some point doing that. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And, and look, he's a guy that we fully expect to be around any car in the Indianapolis motor speedway, even after this may, I, I don't think either of us have, have a doubt 
that he's not going to be involved in, in some level, whether it's on the broadcast, whether it's as as you mentioned, an ambassador for the track and the series, maybe even working with the team, I think he'll have some sort of role. I don't know what that role will be, but I think yeah. he'll have some sort of role. I think you know, going into retirement, 2024, he comes back to the IndyCar Series, just wants to see the Indianapolis 500 especially in a different way. So what role does he look for, Caleb? I'm guaranteeing you this. Next year, 2024, you're going to be walking through Gasoline Alley and you're going to hear the yellow shirts whistling at you because you're walking the wrong way. You're not going the right way. It's going to be Tony Kanaan. <laughs> Tony Kanaan's going to be a yellow shirt in 2024. Can you imagine the the funny videos they could put together? Oh, it'd be they tremendous. Did with that, it would be great. It'd be tremendous. I don't. I don't know if we'll see him as the yellow shirt, but I like the idea. Even just a parody. Give me. Yes, give me one uh, for a couple hours on a practice day. Give me. Uh, give me TK as a yellow shirt, and I want him right. And everybody knows what we're talking about. If you've been to the Speedway, right? The entrance to Gasoline oh, Alley, yeah. right in the garages. I want that area because that's the most active whistle area of the entire facility is that intersection. I would love that. That would be great. That I would never be great feel entertainment. Like, I never feel like I'm doing the right thing at that intersection. Even though I know exactly where I'm going, I'm going this way or I'm going into the garages, I just never feel like with the constant whistling and, and yellow shirts everywhere, I'm never sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I think they want you to feel that. Way. I think so too. <laughs> I really think so too. I, like it's 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 insane what, what that intersection. So that's a look at the headlines over the course of the past week. If uh, you have more, you want to interact with us, you can find us at newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. Uh, you'll never miss an episode or any special announcements that we make. Uh, that is free to subscribe. Also, we have the store stickers and T-shirts for sale. Uh, someone bought a T-shirt the other week, so uh, props to them for that. Um, stickers going out uh, as well as we get ready for the start of the IndyCar season. You can uh, reach us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. Our Instagram handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, it's New Track Record. You can email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And also... Uh, support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash new track record. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, Stitch, and others for their support of the podcast. We appreciate Stitch it. jumping on board. Yeah, Stitch nice. has jumped on board. So uh, thanks to everyone for their support. Again, as little as $1 a month. That, that's all it takes uh, to be a supporter. You can cancel anytime. So we appreciate your support, though, for those of you who are giving on Patreon. And I mentioned email. And of course your favorite podcasting platform. You can follow us for free. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, whatever podcasting platform that fits your fancy. You can always listen in each week for free. Okay, mailbag time. We actually have a a decent amount of content this week via the mailbag. Uh, First off from I Am Analog. I think we mentioned the Marlins the other week. Uh Uh-huh. As uh, I Am Analog, Rob Duvall says, as one of the dozens of Marlins fans, I completely agree so if I did still live in Florida, I would be one of the sickos who would get season tickets. The team will be amazing this year. Uh, saying that sarcastically, of course. Um, that <laughs> so was talking, talking about, about Homestead. Homestead. Yes, yeah. just being so far out from the facility. So that is true. Also, this from uh, Demise 90 Racing, uh, Dakota Price. In terms of TSN picking up the Canadian coverage, this is a good thing. They've been covering NASCAR up here since the 80s and have been exclusive since I can remember. There is a reason those rights have not changed hands. So that, that sounds positive for our Canadian fans. Um, 
up north, I hope it, it stays that way. I hope things get better and they just get some consistency because that, that yeah. seems to be an ongoing issue. And it seems like the series, at the very least, has come a long way in the last couple of years in terms of uh, network rights up in Canada because it was a dumpster there for oh, yeah. a while. Yeah. It, remember when they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. There's the streaming option and it costs like a, a million dollars <laughs> to stream every race. Yeah. I, I mean, that is not what stupid. we want. That well, is and not it, what we want to see. It takes two to tango. So we blame IndyCar for, for these ills, but at the same time, TSN wants needs to have an interest in IndyCar to want to broadcast it. So that's good to see as well is especially when we look at a, a, a series that what has one, two Canadian drivers, just one. Uh, so we have Devlin D Francesco. He's it. It was Dalton Kellett for a while, right? Yeah, And then Dalton Kellett, but he's not. And yeah, that is it. Yeah. So D Francesco in just one race. So hopefully, uh, we can have an uptick in Canadian drivers and maybe add another Canadian race at some point. But I think um, getting more viewers and having more stability uh, in the Great White North is key to that. So good job for both IndyCar and TSN figuring out a deal. Uh, this from Poet Shevchenko. Your mention of IndyCar Deep Throat's rumor reminds me that some of the biggest deals still happen because of personal connections and face-to-face deals instead of strictly business incentives. That talking about... Uh, Ray Hall in talks with BMW and the possibility of kind of expanding that relationship beyond just the sports car side. Still some good old fashioned who, you know, right? Right. Always about that. Always comes down to that. I always talk networking, networking, networking. Okay. So uh, we have 32 car and driver combos for the Indy 500. Who will make 33? You said uh, scanning list of random split air drivers of the week. <laughs> I'm going to go with J.R. Hildebrand. I know he's worked yeah. with uh, Dryan Reinbold in the past. We'll see. Uh, Boat Shevchenko says Mark Plord, of course. Yeah, the legend that is Mark Plord. Uh, N.K. Harden, is Buddy Lazier still running a car in order to prepare it for Flynn Lazier, or did that storyline finally die? Uh, I'm guessing that went away just because of, uh, one, Bob Lazier passed away a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, the ski resorts uh, is, is like a family business. Yeah, and they were struggling. And then, yeah, the pandemic certainly didn't help with that. So I, I would say that's kind of gone away. Uh, Stealth Wave says, uh, Stealth 1014 says, Jared Hildebrand solicited as an AJ Foyt racing driver. Maybe on the website, but they don't update that until uh, I, I would As much I as would, they should. Yes, yeah. correct. Uh, Tudor Indy, amazing to have 32 entries in early February. That is true. You got to think about Very that. true. Uh, C.C. Smith, 1989, Lundquist to DRR second car with Marathi. I, I like that idea. I would I would love to see Lundquist get a shot. We've heard him supposedly getting a test soon, but uh, that that's kind of where that stands. As far as the Catherine Leg news, a couple of replies. Uh, Arkel, this is great. Glad to see her back. Um, also... Poet Shevchenko, I saw leg race once at the ALMS race at Lime Rock, driving the Delta Wing. That's first right. race I ever went to. I totally forgot about that. Forgot she was in the Delta Wing. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. You're throwing it back to the Delta Wing. This from uh, BK Hickey. I'm more excited to know who, hopefully not if, will make up 34, uh, make up cars 34 and greater. Bump day. I don't uh, think. So. Here's the thing. Here's the pushback with 32. It's it's phenomenal to have 32. In mid-February. But there's not a lot of additional prospects out there. That's the thing. So we're not at 32 with another six possible. I think we're at number 32 with another 
two, two max possible, maybe just one. Um, so that's the thing. I don't think there's a lot of additional entries out there that haven't been announced from everything we're hearing. I think you're looking at getting to 33 and then if you're lucky, have one more. Like if, if the stars aligned and something tremendous happened, you get to 35. I just don't see it though. I, I don't, I mean, we know dry and Ryan will, will make 33 with that second entry after that. Coin didn't run a, a third car last year, for example. Foyt is kind of stepped back from wanting to run a third car unless they're going to get the, the Penske special funding, right? right? Yeah. So that's a, an, another thing with it. I, I just think it's a situation where we'll only see more than 33 if there is a special entry, like, say, a Jimmy Johnson wanting to come over, right. or if IndyCar wants, wants there to be. Right. 34. Yeah. And it, 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 it's all about the, uh, the engine leases too. who wants to play. And I think both, both OEMs have an extra engine that they would somehow create a team for if the right opportunity came along. But I think you're seeing lack of interest from other properties to try to get in because they know the limitations of the engine situation because they know that, and and maybe their sponsors too is if you try to make the race and don't just how devastating that can be. So I, I think it's really, really hurt the um, indie only market in a lot of ways. But I think what's driving this in a lot of ways is, is this just the inability to get a engine lease. So, so some of these teams now I've learned, well, why should I even try to put together a, an entry if at the 11th hour, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get an engine anyway. I'm going to find out in March that there's not an engine available. And Honda's already cut off their engines at 17 now, unless there's yeah. a special, aka Jimmy Johnson, wanting to run run the 500 entry. And I don't see Chevy having more entries than Honda. No, so they would have 17 max. Yes. So you're looking at 34, and then the the age old uh, the age old uh, argument of if you have 34, just start 34. But they'll probably bump one. I don't think we'll have 34. I, I guess I think uh, we have 33. I, the 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 downside of having a 27 car full time field is that that weeds out some of these opportunities for extra cars just for the Indy 500. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the, the conventional wisdom is, oh, we get a third OEM, and then all of a sudden there's 40 entries. I don't know. I think when you add, if and when in our lifetimes you ever add a third OEM is Honda and Chevy look at it and go, oh, thank God, now we don't have to have 16 or 17. Now we can drop down to 10 or 11. I would say 12, but yeah. You think 12? Um, I could see that, but it's not all of a sudden going to jump when you add a third OEM at some point, maybe 2050, that it's going to have 40 entries. I think maybe you get to 36 entries, and maybe a good number is 12, like like Caleb said. But I think you're going to see more of the existing OEMs going sweet. Now we can save some money because they still lose a six figure money on each engine deal. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of money that's to lose. A lot of cash. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it. That's yeah. a lot of money going, going down the drain on a, a program that is, yeah, if you're winning races, it looks good, but you still have to justify yeah. it to the boardrooms in, in the company. And that's, that's the tricky part with these operations. Especially when you're like, okay, so we're in the race? Well, not necessarily. We have to qualify for the race. <laughs> you mean I have to spend all this money and we're not even guaranteed in the race? No. Well, hell no then. 
Yeah, that's that's a pretty hard sell. Yes. And that's why Chevy and Honda are so tight with these extra leases at the end because Correct. you don't want to waste an engine lease. I you, get it. Yeah, you're wasting money and resources for a program that doesn't have a chance to win the ra- or to make the race. So Chipotle has a, a deal with Haas F1 and I, I tweeted a competitive team costs extra, you know, like how guacamole costs extra. Yep. Uh, Chris in the six says, maybe now they'll have the fire coming out their rear that they have been lacking the past few years. <laughs> well, <said. laughs> uh, Poet Shevchenko fitting partnership because Haas is an American team about as American as Chipotle Mexican food is Mexican. Yeah. I do like both of them, but I can't pass on that joke. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's uh, it's not Mexican food. I, I don't know what it is. It's not Mexican food, though. It's certainly not that. It's good, but it's not Mexican food. No. And then we also had an entry uh, via email at uh, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. So, and forgot to get to this last week. So my apologies to our listener on that one. But this coming in from Don saying uh, about IndyCar messaging and outreach. So, I've been an IndyCar fan since the 1960s and can consider myself about as hardcore IndyCar as it gets. But just a few weeks ago, I learned that the NTT IndyCar Series YouTube site runs live classic rewinds of old races every Friday evening and appears as if they've been doing it for a while. Uh, the, these rewinds sound like a good opportunity to do some bench racing and, and race reminiscing, but many of these rewinds are watched by less than 100 viewers, some way less. There's no mention of these airings on IndyCar.com and nothing from social media. It's just another example of IndyCar's inept outreach. They used to. They, they used, used to do social media, social media posts for those. Yeah. But if they don't do that anymore, yeah, that is, one, surprising that they're not making a big deal about it. And, and two, I guess why keep posting them if you're not going <laughs> to promote, promote it? Them. I think what would be cool is have rewatch parties, online rewatch parties with those, and IndyCar could put those together and you could get back uh, notable drivers from that race or young guys. You could get Graham to talk about uh, a special Bobby win or something or have mm-hmm. both of them on or uh, a longtime driver coming back to talk about it or a random split era driver of the week as a guest that we could pick to have on some of these races. Like, I think that would be cool for the offseason is IndyCar once a week or maybe even once every two weeks has an IndyCar race rewatch. And it's kind of like a, a program that they put together with with comments and stuff from guests and fans can can tweet in or text in or live stream in whatever and kind of build it into an event. I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah, it's it's a way, especially like a like a watch party. Maybe do like one special event, you know, an off season. This is just a way to get people involved. Whether it's just you know someone sitting in a studio with a, a driver and someone kind of interviewing and, and yeah. going back and forth on moments in the, the race, race where they talk about different things that were happening yeah and you can tweet questions mm-hmm. or if there's a live feed of some sort and interaction with fans and questions and all that stuff i think i think that'd be a good idea off season idea i mean even do that for example the the previous indy 500 is a way to like build buzz going into may True. i don't know i'm i'm just thinking of ideas here there's no bad idea right yeah you see them all the time Movie commentaries, right? With actors and producers mm-hmm. and directors and stuff. Why can't they do some race commentaries like that? Yeah, that that'd be fun. You know, they people already would own check the, that out. They yeah, already they own, own the, the rights. rights. Yeah, and I'm sure a fair amount of of drivers, former and current, would be welcome to. They'd love to be able to do something like that. It it just seems like something like that would be pretty cool for the off season. Once a week, once every two weeks. 
Yeah, definitely an off-season thing and definitely something that if you make it limited but consistent enough, it's a way to keep people interested. Yeah, I think a couple times a month in the off-season would be a good... Even once a month in the off-season. Yeah, you, you can't do it every week and then it becomes watered down and you're scrambling and stuff like that. It needs to be a dedicated, good, solid production, live production... And if that takes a whole month to do one or a couple weeks, then you do it. But I think that'd be a good idea. I like it. Okay, that wraps up the mailbag for this week. Time to move to news and notes. IndyCar had testing at Sebring the other day. If you want to look into testing times, feel free. Yeah, it's not our thing. The key takeaways, though, Felipe Nazar tested with Pinsky in that test. Hmm. Uh, And Nick Cassidy tested with Ganassi for that test as well. So... That's very a look much, at some of the, the interesting options there. Very much um, continuing the hunt to replace Alex Pillow, I feel. Yes. Plus, Chevy uh, did their initial uh, on-track test with the hybrid uh, in their engine. Uh, I know they were kind of up and down early on at Sebring, but this is their first outing, so it's not going to be about being consistent or fast. It's just working through all the kinks. But good seemed that they're like, already working on yeah, it. Yeah, seemed like it went relatively successful. There were no major issues from what we've read. That's good. No. Uh, St. Pete, the track build is underway. I would hope so. Two yeah. weeks out. Yeah, I, w- I would hope so as well. Uh, this rumor was interesting. So the race posted this. McLaren and Honda made contact about a F1 reunion for 2026. You got to remember how big of a disaster right. it was just a few years ago. But with that, um, McLaren and IndyCar could also go to Honda, which would be a yeah. huge shift because they're a Chevy team. That'd be wild in the sense that it, I can't figure out Honda and Formula One. They were going to leave, then they're not. Now they're getting more heavily involved now, potentially having a relationship with McLaren after the disaster that was. I can't figure out Honda, what they're doing. As long as they're a constant in IndyCar, that's all I care about. Yeah, that, that is true. So that's uh, one of the rumors there. Also, Detroit, uh, that venue will allow free and open viewing around 50% of the track. In fact, they have special debris fences uh, for fans to be able to see, but also keep them safe. Um, so not like your typical fencing. They have th- these special Geobrug Motorsport, uh, the first debris fence homologated to FIA standards. Hmm. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. I plan to go to Detroit coming up this season. We'll see how that uh, see how that works. Should be uh, interesting to see that. I, I and it's going to be free. So fifty percent of the people can watch watch the race free. There will be free viewing areas, and okay. and normally on a street circuit, if it's free, that means you probably can't see anything because you're not <laughs> elevated, right? But, so that's the yeah. key thing. But we'll, this we'll is a way to make this race a much bigger event. Yeah, which I still think I could fall back to IndyCar not making this as big of a deal as it should. It's it's a brand new street event is basically what it is. And you can say, well, they did Detroit in the past and they've been in Detroit for a while, but it is very much a brand new event, brand new circuit and a great opportunity for IndyCar to make an impact at Detroit. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of IndyCar, their international broadcast lineup is set, deals in 223 markets, 142 countries. They have the the new deal with TSN, uh, deals with ESPN in Latin America, Sky for Europe, New Zealand, Canal Plus in France, Stan Sport in Australia, Movistar in Spain. 
I'm not sure how to say this. Gara, Garora in Japan, Ziggo Sport in the Netherlands, Via Play in the Nordics, uh, getting to a couple of new markets. So good for that. They'll be shown in Turkey in the Czech and Slovak republics for the first time this year as well. Oh, that's fun. It's good. Uh, more markets, the better around the world, right? Yes. Indy 500 ticket unveiled as well uh, a week ago with Marcus Erickson. That was at the Indy Fuel hockey game. They did that unveiling. And Pareto Autosport. So wondering kind of what's the update for the final Indy 500 seat. So Pareto is searching for a new partner. They will not be with Ed Carpenter Racing this year. Uh, Beth Pareto telling Racer.com that they'd love to do the Indy 500 again. They're having great results on the commercial side, so that's not the limitation. Really no kind of answer as far as the team, the the race or races they'll participate in. She was with uh, Semena Di Silvestro in the Swiss Alps recently, so yeah. I would think that would be I'm the driver again. once again. Yes, I think that would be the driver once again, but not really an update. Meanwhile, Marshall Pruitt in the mailbag uh, said that as far as a potential option for the 33rd entry, R.C. Enerson uh, could be back as far as the 33rd entry for this year's Indy 500. His name is often spoken in conjunction with it, talking about the second dry and Reinbold racing entry. Uh, also, barring a big-name driver wanting to do the race like Jimmy Johnson, uh, Pruitt says Honda's done with leases at 17. That leaves Chevy to pick up any additional entries. Chevy's at 16, so if a third from Foyt or deal from someone to run a car for Peretta, um, that would kind of be the only other option. I feel as if when we look at it, um, Peretta just doesn't seem like to have an avenue this year, does it? And RJ Enerson, we know he has money. We know he has funding. So he sounds like the guy in the uh, the driver's seat for that 33rd spot. I would say so, and I'd be surprised if we have any bumping, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, also, meanwhile, Mike Tirico, Danica Patrick will be back. This just announced for uh, coverage for the Indy 500. It'll be Lee Diffie, Townsend Bell, and Hinchtown in the booth for the race. Okay. So no changes. That's good. No changes. Though. I like I don't Tirico think any, and I like Danica. I don't think role. any changes are needed. No, I don't think so. I think it's a fine crew. I, I like Danica as the uh, the a- analyst, and, and Tirico does a great job in whatever he does. So... You would think he knows racing inside and out. He knows what to say, when to say it, but not stretch too far and let the people that know more talk. And and that's what he's supposed to do. He does a great job. All right. Time for our random split air driver of the week. All right. We're going to go to cart. We're going to go to, I, what is this? The first year of cart, I do believe, was 1996, correct? And we're going well, with. Well, first year of the split era. Well, yes. Yeah, so the split <laughs> era, split era, which is, uh, of course, we're relegated to that. We're going with from, I think, f- uh, from Sweden, Frederick Ekblom. Who? All right. That's my goal every week is uh, continue to come up with guys that uh, that we can throw out there that you have no idea who they are. This guy raced. Uh, just one race in 2000 and or 1996, excuse me. He raced three seasons total in cart, um, 94 and 95, and then 96 was his uh, year uh, with Walker Racing in cart. So he did Laguna Seca in 95 with Foyt. That was his one race. And then with McCormack in 94 at Detroit and finished 15th. 
and raced in cart at the illustrious US 500. Yes, uh, the one-off entry for the US 500. Yes, and finished 25th in that race. Um, so looking through Frederick Eckbaum's career, uh, after his early career in single-seaters, switched to touring cars, won multiple titles in his native Swedish touring car championship, and later in the racing elite league. Um, but a guy that yeah, found a lot of success in touring cars after the fact, raced in Indy Lights in, let's see, Indy Lights in 93, I want to say. Uh, let's see, career. Yeah, made 13 Indy Lights starts in 1992 and 93. Uh, was, enter- was entered in the 94, 95 Indianapolis 500, but after passing rookie orientation, in 1994, he never appeared for practice either year. So that's weird. weird, right? He passed rookie orientation 94, and then they never saw him <laughs> try in the, even in practice. So, but did three races over the course of three years, including 1996 with Walker Racing, U.S. 500 start, 25th uh, overall. Did some Le Mans in the late 90s, um, but again, three races: Detroit 94, Laguna Seca in 95, Walker Racing. In 96, the first year of the split era in cart. Frederick Eckbaum, this year, this week's random split era driver of the week. So I'm looking to see, as far as Eckbaum, uh, yeah, he, he passed rookie orientation, but didn't make an attempt. At, that is really, really weird. There's a story there, and I want to know about it. Yes, I, I do as well. So I'm looking to kind of see if there's any information on this in their their Wikipedia page, as far as the race team focuses on their time in the IRL, do they even have a driver in in the Indy 500 that year? Mm. I mean, they had Poncho Carter who failed to qualify, Ekblom who failed to qualify, and Stefan Grigois who failed to qualify as well. Um, but th- they just this didn't is back try? when you have dozens. Of, yeah, they didn't even try. <laughs> That's what's weird is. There is no listed reason as to why they weren't in the race. Mm. So that is is fascinating. Mysterious. We must find out more. Absolutely. Well, that is this week's Random Split Era Driver of the Week. If you have uh, any further information on that, please let us know. We'd love to talk about it uh, on the show, which, again, didn't mention this earlier, but no show next week. I'll be out uh, of state uh, in Colorado for a week, but we'll be back the week after because it will be race week for IndyCar. Yes, it will. So we'll be back with our 2023 IndyCar season preview coming up in two weeks as the calendar turns to March and we get ready for the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on another edition of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.